tell you how I'm getting through and how I'm getting over. I asked the Lord what to say, and he said, just say what I've been saying to you. So I want you to go with me to John, the 20th chapter, verses 11 through 15. <clears throat> and it says, Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. That's where you weep. It's a grave, a big old cave. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She started crying because the stone was rolled away. And when she saw that and there was nobody in there, she ran to Peter and John in this account, and they ran back. Okay? And then John outran Peter, but Peter went inside. And then when they saw nobody was there, you know what those two men did? You can read it before in that the Bible said they turned and went home. And as she's standing there crying, people deal with grief differently. When you're grieving, it's hard for you to comfort anybody else. And I think Peter and John were so gobsmacked, they didn't even think about that little woman who had gotten there before everybody else to find that stone rolled away. She'd already made one trip to get them. They just walked off and left her. And so she stood there in her grief at the last place where she knew Jesus to be. And so she just stood there because she didn't know what else to do. I can tell you why. You say, well, the Bible doesn't say. I'm telling you as a woman, she couldn't go any further. She came there to complete a task, which was to prepare his body for burial, according to Jewish custom. And she was just stuck. And then in verse 12, it says, She sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And that's my title. Why weepest thou? And she said to them, she answered their question, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Now, I know that there will be men watching this. And so this is not exclusively to women. And I'm, I'm going to show you because the Bible is full of references to weeping. And although our culture relegates weeping most often to women, you know, men don't cry. It would take something amazing for a man to cry and blah, blah, blah. The people that recorded the Bible were men. And there's a whole lot of men who cried in that book. Abraham cried when he lost Sarah. Jacob cried when he lost Rachel. And he also cried when his sons came to him and said, Joseph is dead. And they were so hard-hearted, they didn't consider his sobbing, mourning, and grieving enough impetus to say, Dad, we made it up. We, we actually threw him in a pit. And Once they got the grief ball rolling, they just let it roll. Joseph cried when he saw them, and then he cried when he saw his dad, and then he cried at his father's deathbed. These are all men. Job, well, once Job could speak, he cried. For seven days, he couldn't open his mouth. I think he probably just lay in a huddle. It has nothing to do with gender. 
David cried with Jonathan when he said goodbye to him for the last time and he never saw him again. And Jonathan, his dearest friend who was the king's son and heir to the throne, wept on his shoulder and they cried. And this was not a personality disorder. This was the expression of true feeling over loss, grief, mourning. They didn't bottle it and they didn't hide it. They poured it out. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. I'm going to say it because it's written, but Jeremiah said, I have watched children I held in my lap starve to death in the streets. He could not separate what he saw from what he felt. It gutted him. And every time I read Jeremiah, I go down there with him and I cry every time. Happened thousands of years ago, but I am feeling because I'm remembering the names of children in our church, and if I start now, I won't be able to get through. One of them ran up to me and accidentally hugged me, and I didn't push her away. I just asked the Lord to cover us both. Jesus cried. Jesus cried at Lazarus' tomb, and he cried over Jerusalem. I don't think it gets any more manly than Jesus. I don't think tears are a sign of weakness. I think they're an acknowledgement of something deep and profound. Simon Peter cried. He cried because he failed God. I guarantee you, I have shed tears in much the same way as every one of these men and women. Hannah cried. Hannah cried because she couldn't have a child. And the loss and the longing and the grief was so great, she couldn't speak. And Eli thought she was drunk. Esther cried because her people, it had already been decreed, they're going to die, all of them. Not some of them, not the luck of the draw, not those that are strong and have good immune systems, not those that are young or the old who are susceptible to COVID. Nope. Esther's people all, from the youngest to the eldest, were going to die. And she cried, sobbing at the feet of her husband, Sovereign, pleading for the life of her people. She sobbed. Mary, the mother of Jesus and the sister of Lazarus, and Mary Magdalene, they all cried. Every one of them cried. And there are many more, probably thousands of people that cried. Children whose names you'll never know. Separated from their parents in captivity. I'm not trying to paint a picture of gloom, but I want you to understand there's a time to cry. We've had funerals here and had to say goodbye to a young man that we all loved and there was weeping. I can't even begin to describe the feeling of loss for his children. I'm a grandmother and a mother, and I just think of three little boys, one of whom will never remember his daddy. He's just too little. I can't, I cannot excuse it, explain it, or remove it. It's real. King Solomon, the wisest man on the earth, wrote in Ecclesiastes, which is the book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, 
verses 1 and 4, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And verse 4 says, a time to weep. I think I have spent a great deal of the time weeping. Weeping over the loss of you. Weeping over your stories. Bring me a Kleenex box. Some of you came by yesterday. And it was hard not to weep when you came by. And my daughters would tease me. Are you crying, Mama? No, yes you are. Well, maybe... Maybe your perspective is different when you're in your 20s and early 30s. <clears throat> but when my four-year-old grandchild can come skipping into the sanctuary that's silent and still and say, Papa, can we stay here for a while? There's something so poignant it's like the walls have absorbed the sound of praise. And it's like looking into a tomb. I want to say this to you. I don't think that Jesus ever intended for us to keep grief and loss bottled up inside as a show of manliness or strength. That's just not normal. You say, are you telling us to cry? I'm telling you the Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And Paul said, oh, that I may know him, not just in the power of his resurrection. If this had been over two weeks ago, four weeks ago, this is the eighth week that our church has been empty and still and silent. And we're singing to you as best we can and preaching to you as best we can and encouraging you as best we can. But I'm going to speak to the tomb in the room. Because the angel sat there in the empty space and said, why are you weeping? They knew. Why did they ask her? I think they wanted to give her a space to empty her grief. The disciples didn't because they were in the same boat. Not one of them offered Mary, let's pray together. They couldn't. They didn't know what to say. And the angels, I don't believe that brought any comfort. So since the Bible is so full of tears, since there is so much weeping, and since I feel your tears, even though I can't see your faces, and I'm going to call out Brother Tim Galoni. He asked us to come by and see him, and we maintained social distance and hand sanitizer and didn't cough and didn't breathe. And he said this, I think when I get to church, all I'm going to be able to do is cry. I remember before there were Rules against children meeting their parents, and I've told it before. Caitlin couldn't have been two years old, maybe just, and I had gone either to Europe or Mexico, I'm not sure. 
And at that time, they could meet us at the gate, and my parents and my husband's parents met us there. I got ahead of my husband. I'm telling you, I went up that ramp. I was peering through the porthole when we landed, scanning to see if anyone's face was against the glass waiting for our plane. And I came racing off, up that ramp, left him behind. I was just, I could not wait to see my children. And Sheena embraced me, very like Siobhan. But Caitlin, Caitlin was too little to speak very much. But when she saw my face, she just saw my face. It was just my face. She just burst into tears. Whatever grief you bear as a baby, she held it. She didn't know. I'm sure she couldn't have explained. But she burst when she saw me, and I wept, and I grabbed her. And then she went back to her grandparents. It was like, you betrayed me. I'm not ready to let you back in my life. You might leave me again. There is a wonderful psalm that the Lord gave me during this time when I couldn't speak for grief. Say, why would you tell us that? Because it's real. And if you haven't been in a moment trying to live for God where all you can do is weep and cannot speak, then you have not yet experienced the fellowship of his suffering to the depth that you might. I don't want you to be afraid if and when it happens to you. Psalms 42 and verses 1 through 11 say this. As the heart panteth... <sighs> Have you ever seen little creatures in the heat of the summer? <sighs> Their sides just heaving for want of water. I've seen even a little dog do that. He said, as the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When, when, when is my departure? When is my next meeting with you? I don't know if I'm going to get to go to church or the next time I see you, I'm going to be in a new body. But, but when, I don't know. And then morning, verse 3. My tears have been my meat. I have feasted on sorrow. Day and night. To the precious soul that contacted us and said, and Brother Gerald, you forgive me for giving your testimony, and wrote and said, I saw you online and I joined. I was diagnosed with COVID and as an older black man, I called my family and said, if I go into hospital, I probably won't see you again. I'm going to set my house in order. And his apostolic pastor told him, don't go to the hospital. So that man self-quarantined alone. And he said that his bedroom became his sanctuary where he poured himself out before God. From what I've heard of this disease and this illness, to be alone with it is a horror that's unimaginable where there's no one to comfort you and nobody to strengthen you. And you say, why would you tell us this? Because David said, you're not the only one that's been through this. Say, I don't want to hear about it. I got to tell you because there's something on the other side of it. 
There's a scripture that says, blessed is the man who passing through the valley of Baca. And I looked up Baca, and you know what it means? Mourning and sobbing and lamentation. There are moments in our lives, and I would say globally, this is one of them. This is one of them when people are either weeping and pouring themselves out, or they're trying to avoid the grief by propping themselves up. But Jesus said, you can pour it out. David will help you. These people passing through the valley of mourning turn it into a well. And I believe God's going to turn this mourning into joy. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now, I don't know who the they is. I don't know if my tears are prophesying and saying, where is God to dry your eyes, sis? Woman, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? Do you even know? When I remember these things, and here we go. Here's the permission to get alone with a box of Kleenex. I pour out my soul in me. I don't kick the dog, hit the cat. Yell at the kids, I know what I need. My soul is full of lamentation and tears, and I'm going to have to empty it. Well, I don't want to cry. I've never wanted to cry. I never truly cried till I had a child. And then when I realized how frail and vulnerable that baby was and how ill-equipped I was, I cried and I haven't stopped. I'd gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day, which is where we get holiday. He said, I remember church. Woman, why weepest thou? I'm telling you, I'm not crying over clothes. I'm not crying over things. I'm crying over the loss of my mother and my father and the loss of being able to lay hands on you and put my arms around you. I'm crying over the silence in the sanctuary. There may be an angel where the head was and where the feet is, but it didn't do anything for Mary and it's not going to do anything for me. Say so you're negative. Fine. Stay with me. I'm being real. I I'm telling the truth about what it feels like to be in a pandemic and be a woman. And I suspect it feels the same way to be a man. And you cannot bow your head in despair in front of little children. And you cannot sob. You have to go away alone because they'll be frightened. But David said, I pour out my soul. And then verse 5 is the kicker. He asked this question, which is the equivalent of, why are you weeping? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? I looked up cast down. I looked up all. You say, why would you do that? Because my heart, I'm, I'm panting for answers. Cast down means to be prostrated, humbled, reduced, weakened, proceed humbly, be bowed down, be cast down, be despairing, despairing. Oh, yes. Yes. I want to know if you're safe. Are you going to make it back? I know there are many that watch, but what of those who don't? 
What will I see finally when we're allowed to come back? Who will be here and who will not? Oh, yes! It's real. And I'm not afraid to be real. He said, why, why are you disquieted, soul? And I'm going to tell you right now. You are going to have to take time to search out what's driving your grief. If you're ever going to resolve it, you need to know why. Because grief's not too far from anger, and anger's not too far from hate, and hate's not too far from cutting you off from God and the people of God and your very life. You got to know, why am I cast down? Why are you cast down? What's happened? What have you felt? Where have you been? What have you experienced? Why is my soul disquieted? And you know what that means? Roar! My soul roars. Some people, when they're under pressure, they roar. They never cry, but they scream at their kids, and they scream at their spouses, and they scream at innocent animals, and they scream, and they hit things, and they smash things. Uncontrollable anger is probably an uncontrollable grief. It needs to be poured out. And you got to ask the question, why are you roaring? Why are you raging? Why are you making noise? Why are you being clamorous? Why are you disquieted? Why are you moved? Why are you troubled? Why are you in an uproar? Now's the time to find out why. He said, why? Hope thou in God. And you know what hope means? We sing that song. Wait on the Lord. Well, guess what this means? To be patient, to hope, to stay, to tarry, to trust, to wait. Mary, what are you doing at that tomb? It's all gone. I'm waiting. Girl, what are you waiting for? I, I don't know. I can't leave. This is where he last was. It's an empty place right now. Why are you still going to church, Janice Showstrand? There's no one there. And there's no one clapping. And there's no dancing and no shouting. And, 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 and the pews are empty. And, and you ask the same group to come every week four, six times a week. And they're tired. And why do you even do it? Because this is the last place where he was. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. I don't like Zoom meetings, but I'm going to get into something that's going to create the presence that reminds me of where he was. You need to be Zooming. Why are you weeping? Are you weeping because you're lonely? Get in a meeting. Why are you weeping? Are you grieving? Then you need to have a God moment with me. Hope thou in Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Donald Trump, in the researchers, the COVID analysts, Bill Gates, Apple, Google, Jeff Bezos. Uh, put your hope in chariots. Put your hope in finances. Hallelujah. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord. There is nothing else. 
So why are you crying, woman? Why are you weeping? For yet I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And this is where I kind of lost my mind. Because I looked up every word, looking to squeeze out meaning to hold me. Praise means to yada. It means especially to revere or worship with extended hands. He said, right now I am in agony, but there is going to come a moment when both of my hands are going to be in the air and there's going to be glory after this. I'm at an empty tomb. Why are you there, Mary? Are you a Bible scholar? No, but something's keeping me rooted to this empty place. I'm expecting something. I don't know what it is. Why? I have hope in God. I have hope. I have hope. Yes, but do you have a sign notarized? All I have is knowing the character of God from my past experience of him, his nature, his love, his mercy, and I'm anchoring my hope to what I know and who I know. This is where things got amazing. Verse 5, I shall yet praise him. I'm going to throw my hands up for the help of his countenance. When I looked this word up, I, I had to look it up again and again. And then I, I wore myself out looking up things. But do you know what help means right here? It means Yeshua. All oh, that may not mean anything to you. But that is the Hebrew version of Jesus. Yeshua is Hebrew and Jesus is Greek and they mean the same thing. So he said, I will praise him for the Yeshua of his countenance. What in the world do you mean? Because he's going to show up. Mary Magdalene did not know. I don't think she knew that that was Yeshua. There's going to be a Yeshua of his countenance. I'm looking for Yeshua. That's Hebrew. What? And what does that mean? What does Yeshua mean? Salvation. Deliverance. Welfare. Prosperity. Salvation by God. And victory. I'm looking for the Yeshua. I'm looking for, if I can get in his face, I'm going to get his Yeshua. His Yeshua is his face. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let's read. Verse 6, he said, I'm, I'm hoping in God. And then he cries out again, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Verse 7, deep calls unto deep. I'm drowning. I hear the thunder, the waves, and the billows. They're gone over me. I, 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 it's just rolling, this thing, this pandemic thing, this financial thing, this emotional thing, this grief thing, this lost thing. It's just rolling all over me. Yet, verse 8, the Lord will command something in the day, loving kindness. So you say, well, wait a minute. I want the pandemic to be over. 
that's not what's going to sustain us. We're going to be left like she was at the empty life we used to have, trying to figure out what to do. He said, what you need is loving kindness during the day. And I got my hand on you. Well, what about all those people that passed away that knew you? I, I have my hand on them too. They're resting and you're not. Well, what about me? I got my hand on you. How do you know? Because I wrote, I will command loving kindness. I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, the Lord has commanded loving kindness to me. Say that. He has commanded it. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Well, what about night? I know he's helping me get groceries and I haven't gotten the COVID yet and I'm still eating and I still have people that love me. But what about night? I'm struggling with night. And in the night, his song. He's sweet, I know. Strains of songs that you haven't sung for years will come slipping into your mind in the wee hours. It's so light and fragrant when I wake up. It's just a wisp here and there. It fills the dead silence of the night. And it's like if I try to lay there and think about how we're going to get out of this, I cannot endure it. And so the Lord gives a song. He knows how we are. And you keep rolling that over in your mind. And he said, I did not give you a rational thinking mind for the wee hours I don't want you to do that I want you to sing I want you to hum a song to me a melody well how long do I sing till you go back to sleep his song his song his song verse 9 I will say unto God my rock Wait, you gave me loving kindness in a song, but this is, Lord, I want to ask you this question. Why have you forgotten me? Well, that should be enough for you. Well, evidently it wasn't for David. Can you see him rising and falling emotionally in between sobs and victory? He says, like Gideon, well, if you're with us, how come we're going through all this? Lord, if, uh, have, why have you forgotten? Why am I mourning? I, I have a sword in my bones. I feel it every day. Where is God? That little voice, yeah, where's God now? Where's God? Where are the promises? Verse 11. Then he ends it again, asking, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Now, this is different. Who is the health of my countenance? In that fifth verse, it said, I'll praise him for the help of his countenance. And the 11th verse says, I'm going to praise him He's the health. Well, guess what the word is for health? It's the same as it was for help. Yeshua. The answer to a soul's disquiet. The answer to the roaring. Is a God encounter. A moment 
I praise you for the Yeshua of your countenance, and you are the Yeshua of my countenance. That sounds very like what Jesus said to Mary at the end of the story, and I want you to go back to it. Woman, why weepest thou? John, the 20th chapter. The angels at the head and the feet where the body lay said, Why weepest thou? They took the Lord away and I don't know where he is. They took away Jesus. They took away my Yeshua. They took away Yeshua. They took my help. They took my health. It's one thing if you're grieving over the tomb of a lost loved one. It's another thing if you're grieving over the tomb of Jesus. If you feel like your health, your hope, your healing, and your health has been absorbed, there's not much left to live for. The disciples left and went home, but she wouldn't. Wait on the Lord. Why? She couldn't turn her emotions off. She couldn't stop the train once it got rolling. She couldn't just, okay, I'm done now. Okay, you've had your five minutes of tears. Now blow your nose and get up and go back to life. Get over it. That's not what she did. She didn't get over it. She stood there and let the tears roll down her cheeks. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus. She saw her Yeshua. Remember the Hebrew? That was the Yeshua of Psalms 42 was standing there. The Yeshua of God's countenance and the Yeshua of her countenance. The help and the health was looking right at her. and She didn't see it. God give us eyes. She didn't know it was him because she didn't expect him to be there. She could not understand the scripture that said, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. So she sobbed, because I see no way out. This is the end. I can't see how I'm going to get my life back. I can't see how I'm going to get my health back. I can't, I can't see. There's nothing but rock, cold stone, and it's empty. And he said to her, verse 15, Woman, why weepest thou? Now, she just had two angels ask her, but that didn't do anything for her. I'm going to tell you something. Prophecy. Books. Songs, all of it, the whole purpose, the end of it all is the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. The end of it all is so everything is stripped away and I don't see anything anymore but Jesus. Jesus only, that's it, that's all I got. I need the countenance of Jesus for my soul. I gotta have him. I got to have the Holy Ghost to lift. Why weepest thou? Why weepest thou? Then he didn't stop her. He let her tell him what was wrong. 
she supposed. And then he said, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? I would ask you, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And what are you looking for? I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the time to be looking for a what. It's the time to be looking for a who. You say, I'm at the tomb. Whose tomb? Where is your grief? Is your grief because you can't find the presence of God or because you can't do what you've always wanted to do? I'm telling you for those who are standing waiting for him, there is a word and experience and a presence. And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir, if you've taken him away, Tell me where you laid him, and I'll take him away. I don't even know what she thought. A dead body in rigor mortis. I don't know how she thought. She just said, please. I've got unfinished business, and it's part of the grieving process, and I need to get on with it so I can get over, and I can go on with my life because all my hope is gone, and there's nothing left because what was is finished. And then in one word, Jesus said unto her, Mary. He called her name. My Mother's Day prayer for you is that this morning, male or female, American or visitor, member or other, if you are here, I am sent to tell you, he, he has not left, and he wants to call your name. Not the whole church. There's no whole church here. There's just you in your room, sweetheart. There's just you. You can't hide behind the, the pillars, the posts, the people who usually sit in the back. There's no one to buffer for you in your grief right now. There's just you. One angel, you'll forgive me for saying that, but that's what a minister is. A ministering spirit. But I am just a front for the main event. And the main event is when he walks into your room, and calls you by name. And when she heard her name, she knew. And she said, Rabboni, you showed up. You showed up. Psalms 30 and 11, the same man who wrote 42 wrote 30. Thou hast turned for me my morning. What are you waiting for at the end of this pandemic? I'm waiting for morning to become dancing. I'm waiting for sackcloth to become a garment of praise. I'm looking for sadness to become gladness and joy. Are you pumping it up? No. I'm waiting. Isaiah 61 and 3 says, Jesus came to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. 
perfume for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is a lifting, and I came to tell you this morning that the Lord didn't want you to just tune in, sign in, eat your biscuit, and drink your coffee while you're listening. He wants an encounter with you this morning. Why are you weeping? Revelation 21 and 4. Right now, I think it's my favorite scripture. God... shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more tombs, no sorrow, no crying, no pain for the former things. See, I just want to get back to my new life. No, folks. There's a resurrection on the other side of this death and crucifixion and God's leading us to it. And it's going to require that you want to see his face. Would you bow your heads right now? Jesus. I'm in the room right now with the women of our congregation and the men whose heads are bowed, whose eyes are filled with tears, who feel cast out. We need your presence, sweet and fragrant, bringing joy and hope. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and I can see the breaking of the cloud. I can see past the dark past the anxiety and the worry and the grief, I can just see a thread of light and I know it's you. And we're waiting. We're waiting on you. We are waiting on you. We're waiting. We're waiting for you to show up I want those of you that are listening, put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, call my name. Call my name. I'm waiting. I'm not going to give up. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on you, Jesus. I want to wait for you. I'm waiting. Please don't walk out on him. You say, well, the disciples got a second chance, but she got the first blessing. He came to her first. He could have met them on the way, but she had an expectation and he met it. What are you saying? I believe the Lord has got something for those of us who are waiting for him. Oh, hallelujah. I'm asking the Holy Ghost to fall in your house right now. If you're with somebody, take them by the hand and start praying for one another. You can lay hands on each other and I cannot touch you. Oh, I wait for you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We wait for you.